Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex. I'm Serge. And as always, joined by my lovely, smart co-host, Shelly Billinghurst. How's it going, Shelly? <laughs> you must have took your charming pills today, did you? Yeah, I have a favor to ask after this episode, so I want to make sure I butter. Oh, God. Okay, good. Keep buttering me up. I'll take it. We are so lucky to have one of my favorite people, a good friend of the show, but also a good friend of both you and I. Joining us on the episode today is Michelle Berg, Chief Visionary Officer at Elevated HR. But more importantly, Michelle Berg and her team are the ones powering Disrupt HR, YYC, this year. Welcome to the show, Michelle. As always, thank you for having me. I'm glad that you called us good friends, but I am super fans of both of you and have been for a really long time. I feel so honored to be here. Oh, super fan. That is the best compliment I've ever received because no one has been a super fan of me for anything in my life. Michelle, we are so (laughs) excited that you gave us the opportunity Mm -hmm. to host Disrupt HR here in Calgary because I've told this story before. Disrupt HR made a big difference in my career and, and what I wanted to focus on. It's really coming back full circle. And part of this episode and the reason we mm-hmm. wanted to bring you on is to talk about what's going to happen at Disrupt HR in Calgary. But we want to dig in because you put a very interesting post about a particular pet peeve or situation you dealt with a hiring manager, and it just triggered me. I started thinking about the history of challenges that I've had with hiring managers, because I know that is one of the biggest challenges that recruiters deal with. Let's start with Disrupt HR. It's Thursday next week, two days after we air this episode. Yeah, Thursday, November 17th. It's at Platform Calgary. First of all, thank you for hosting. I think the chemistry that the two of you have is just off the charts. And I also think it's really cool that you've been part of it. My whole intention this time around has been to take it up a notch. And you two were the first that I thought could help us to do that. So in terms of ticket sales, we sold 100 day one. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. And I thought it was going to be on that same trajectory. But what that told me was the super fans of Disrupt bought their tickets first day, which is good. We've all been clamoring for it. And right now we're in a really good spot, but I on purpose got a huge space so that we could accommodate as many people as possible. There's still a few chairs left and we still have opportunity to go to standing room, but if you want to come, I want you all to be there. We'll fit you in, right? How yeah, can yeah, they get yeah. tickets? It's on Eventbrite right now. But if you go to the disrupthr.co site, you just click on Calgary. The link to the tickets is there. If you go to Eventbrite, look for Calgary events. And it's one of the first ones that's popping up. You can go to our Instagram. You can go to the LinkedIn page. The tickets are all there. I really appreciate the confidence in us, Michelle, but I got to tell you, I'm Mm. a little bit nervous because we have never really hosted together outside of webinars. And those have gone really well. But being in a public Mm -hmm. stage (laughs) is going to be something new for me and Shelly. So I want to lower the expectation? <laughs> no, 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 no. Actually, he's being modest, Michelle. He's totally being modest because he and I have done some brainstorming sessions and you had to put gravity boots on both of us. We were coming up with ideas and nice. Serge is like, oh, we should talk about, oh, and we'll say this. And then he's like, oh, we better dial this back. And I'm like, no, the title of the show is Disrupt. Yeah. And yep. I think we're going to put a disclaimer 
and maybe people have to sign off when they come in. But if you're an HR Karen, just don't come because you'll be offended. You like, know they seriously. are coming. They're coming though. <laughs> I know they are. So listen, we may end up with people throwing eggs at us or something because we plan to just be ourselves and just be a little cheeky. I've hosted before. I was early on. I think I had done two disrupts, super upset with my performance both times. And the, so the third time when Rob said, why don't you host or MC? I was like, yes. And honestly, so much more fun. So Serge, who I know you've done the five minutes hosting is a ton of fun. I would suggest don't be afraid to offend at all. Okay. I search me permission. It is to disrupt. And I feel like we're all like really wound tight these days. So this is an opportunity to just kind of let's be us. Of course, I say that because how many times have I said cringeworthy things that I've listened back to and wish I could take back? Well, Michelle, no. you did call me a porn star, which I know, kind of a I know I have, so. I cringe, cringeworthy. No, it wasn't cringe. brought that up for the third time. I know, you know I'll keep but... bringing it up. It's probably going to come up again during the presentation. I'm sure. So Michelle, just to give you a key highlight of our approach <laughs> here, think about Ricky Gervais Oscars. If you don't know what that is, just Google that and you'll get a little bit of a sense of whatever approach is going to be. I love it. But I think you one time questioned me on like how mean I was to some of the speakers. It won't be directed at the speakers. Okay, great. This is going to be directed at HR. Okay, perfect. I don't care. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, the speakers say that now. I'm embarrassed still to be in HR. So you have honor. There are still days I struggle. So Michelle, give us a highlight of the key speakers that you're most interested in hearing. Well, first of all, we've got quite a few people that they've done it before, which I love. Shazia Nurali is coming back and she's got another really great one. Fun fact, I just saw her on a ticket sale. She had bought a ticket and I was like, why is she not speaking? Because the last time we heard her, she called out HR for being a 40-year-old white woman. And at that time, I was 39. I kind of escaped her wrath. But I actually feel like when she did that at the time, it was just, it was too soon. I don't think we were having as deep of the conversations as we're having now around DEI. And she's gone through so much, even in her own career yeah. for the last three years, I'm just super excited for her to come back to the stage as well. I actually reached out to her and said, I got to have you on stage. And she said, yeah, it was a no brainer for her. And I said, I think we're all in a position where we're ready to hear you more now. And I acknowledge like we just weren't then. Then there's another one. So I've been on their podcast. It's called I Need to Fucking Talk to You. It's a Russell Stratton and Ken Cameron. They're super unique dudes, both of them. I love Russell because he comes at HR from an operations background and he's going to have something really unique to say. He's got an English accent. So I always find those super easy to listen to. And then Ken Cameron is not doing anything to do with their brand. He is talking about psychedelic leadership, like literally using mushrooms to enhance leadership. So talk about disruptive for sure. There's an individual talking about how smart goals suck, which I love um, (laughs) because I feel like if you go to school in HR, that's all you preach. So I'm sure hoping she has some alternatives. I will say this. 
I do think people were nervous to be the first to come back after three years. It took more prodding than I was expecting to get on stage. And that makes sense. Three years ago, we didn't worry about being canceled in the same way we do now. People weren't being canceled the same way they are now. And I think that's natural. It's really interesting you mentioned a cancel, like cancel culture. And, and obviously, even in 2019, the last one, Me Too was just coming to the forefront, then George Floyd in 2020. And then you start looking at great resignation, quiet quitting, like the list goes on and on of the big difference between 2019 and 2022. But I can tell you, if I go with what originally I want to talk about, I might get canceled. I'm like, Shelly, you need to bring that up because I can't. As a 43-year-old white males, yeah, I'm going to be very careful. Even calling you a porn star, as much as I cringe about it, I thought I was really funny in the moment, right? Thank God you didn't let that rattle you because you could have. We didn't know each other. That's the other side. And you don't know all these speakers either. You think you're being funny and it's funny for you, but it's not funny for others. So the point that you brought up for Shazia, did I say that right? For Shazia. Shazia. Listen, when it comes to introducing speakers here, I think I'm going to have to take over. Yes. Just so you know, and this is an awesome thing I would do for all the speakers, go to LinkedIn. They've all pronounced their name on LinkedIn as well. So the point that she brought up as far as the HR is a 40-year-old white woman, I can tell you offended a lot of people that was next to me. And I thought it was great. I loved it because I'm like, it's true. Those were HR Karens. Exactly. Coming to disrupt HR. It's the coolest thing out there right now for HR. You can do that or you can go to the CPHR stuff. I'm sorry. There we go. Did you really say that? <laughs> I did. <laughs> okay. Well, it, and Go you know how we, we feel about CPHR events. So I'm glad this is being done. <laughs> I've been to four Disrupt HRs. And I think one of the last one that I thought was great and I brought to the business and I really focused with the HR team is Clarkson, who did yeah. the P for Profit, yeah. which is exactly the type of conversations to be taken seriously in HR. What do you want this audience, when they're leaving this event, what is the key thing they're hoping they take this information and do yeah. something with? Yeah. I mean, that's my biggest frustration about these things. I still haven't seen change happen. Yeah. Job descriptions still suck. <laughs> That's a big one for me. I feel like the tough conversations that everyone's supposed to have still aren't happening. Tariq, what he said when he was on that we have to pilot the shit out of everything. That was one of his first ones. We're still piloting stuff. We've talked about diversity, equity, inclusion. We've talked about mental wellness. Burnout has gone to an all-time high. I think it sparks some good conversations. And then we go back to our comfort zone. Yeah. And I know I shouldn't be frustrated about it because it's not my problem, but I am embarrassed to be in HR because we're not fucking moving it forward fast enough. We begged to be at the freaking table for so long. And now that most of us are technically there, we're not doing anything at the table. We haven't shifted mindsets. We're still whining about it. It's our fault. And one thing that I think is cool, though, is when the pandemic did hit, suddenly we were chief remote officers. We were the chief psychologists. We were supposed to know how to talk about all these things. We've never really been given this opportunity to shine. And there were no best practices to pull from. We had this massive platform. And you know what we ended up doing? I think Lars Schmidt had it on his LinkedIn. But 
our profession burnt out faster than any other position in terms of an industry or the type of role within a company. HR burnt out the fastest because we were so busy trying to make sure everyone else was okay. We weren't taking care of ourselves. That comes back from like the victim mentality, which is the same as begging to be at the table. So coming back to your question, I know I've got the message for them at the beginning. As the person powering this, I I do want to say some things, but I don't want them to leave and not do anything. I want them all to hopefully leave and commit to maybe trying one thing out. Like just do it. Exactly. When a manager comes to them and disagrees without any knowledge of HR, push back, build the case why this needs Mm -hmm. to get done and what the impact of the business is, which is always been a challenge in HR, right? It's a challenge in talent acquisition, but it's even bigger challenge in HR because of different data. I will actually challenge that one step back. When somebody comes to you with an idea that maybe didn't start in HR, try it out. Good point. I actually think if you want to get better at HR, you need to leave. Okay. And then come back. Tell me more. Where do you go? Operations, sales, marketing. Do something different to actually understand what the business is all about, what people experience. You know, for me, I didn't quite leave, but I run a business now. And I think I told Shelly this. I actually only feel like I became a better HR practitioner during the pandemic when I really had to learn what it meant to be a leader. Because now I have all sorts of empathy for things that hiring managers and leaders are going through that I didn't have before. And I think we grow up in HR, we stay in HR, it's all that we know, and we think we are queen or kings and and know all and be all. And we don't know. We've learned off a book. We use best practices. I really hope people start listening to others without this, like, you don't know HR, because actually you do know HR. You know how to treat people with human decency. That's the key to HR. I am looking forward to that message. I'm looking forward to what progress has been made. I'm very skeptical any will be made, but I want to be the optimist (laughs) in this situation. We are going to see minute changes in a generation that is coming from this completely fresh. There's going to be a lot more inexperienced people that are new to HR at Disrupt HR that are going to take these ideas and be like, that makes sense. Instead of we've always done it this way. So that's not going to work. Yeah. So disrupt HR is coming. If you haven't bought tickets, you're listening to this and you're in Alberta, screw it. You're anywhere in North America. Just take the flight. This is going to be a worthwhile event. And what are the tickets like? 40 bucks? They're 40 bucks. Last Best is sponsoring the food. This year too, we've been really intentional. We've got non-alcoholic drinks as well as alcoholic drinks. Partake Brewery is one of our sponsors. They've got an amazing beer that is non-alcoholic. So the food is going to be great. Last Best has new menu items that they're presenting to us. The space is Platform Innovation Center. It's going to be full of ideas and it just generates so much. But I will miss Matt and Rob who have been the people who have run this with me in the past. This is a very different experience doing it on my own. I have so much more respect for them and I probably should text both of them to tell them how thankful I am for what they've done in the past because it's hard. It's not easy. Well, yeah. make sure we tag them in this post. So they know how you feel about them. 
I'll tell you, I'm looking at this event to be able to know what the hell I'm doing for the license that I hold yeah. in Halifax. I'm going to take all the good and the bad. And awesome. uh, the first thing I'll be like, well, the host sucked. So I'm not going to use them for this event. Do not turn this into a self-fulfilling prophecy. The hosts are going to be amazing. Uh, I know that. That's the thing I'm least worried about. You know what they say? I think I heard this recently. A lot of women say they wish they had the confidence of mediocre white men. I'm the opposite. I don't have any confidence at all. I'm telling Shelly, you got to practice this so much. I never let anything to chance in that case so we'll see how it but goes that showed in your own disrupt hr if you haven't watched it it was one of the best this isn't me just being on your show you still delivered one of the best ever oh, agreed I love you, michelle yeah i'm kind of disappointed that there's going to be a lot of repeat speakers because it's interesting to watch people not knowing if they're going to completely bomb i know i'm a horrible person but the ones that don't prep for this, they don't realize, like I was telling Shelly, mm-hmm. I practiced like at least a hundred times that I ran yeah. through it. And if you don't do that, you realize how difficult this is just to give everyone a, an idea. So it's five minutes, 20 slides, the slides change every 15 seconds. Usually when you're public speaking, if you get in a situation that you get a little bit flustered or anything, you just slow down, right? That's the advice everyone will give you. Can't do that here because if you slow down, the slides keep moving up and now you're behind. That is panic moment when you're like, oh shit, I'm three slides behind and you're trying to catch up. And I've seen that situation happen to many speakers that they get completely flustered. It is the most challenging public speaking forum I've ever seen. And if you are new to this, make sure you practice it. Hundreds. The only thing I will say to that, I totally agree. I did it on purpose in a way because it, it it is almost new for everybody. It's been three years for mm. everybody. And even though they've gone through it, I know I didn't get any better and I know all these things too, but to have a nice balance, like all newbies could also just be yeah, disaster as well. And again, those that are coming back that have done it before, they've all done top notch, you know, a showing there will be a nice balance. So- no, And I agree. It's a very good point because the ones that are coming all did a really good job. And I felt like I left with some knowledge that I could take. Right. So I want to move on to the post okay. you had on LinkedIn, right? Saw a very obvious bias from a hiring manager that really frustrated you. And it kind of gave me PTSD of one of the most challenging things as a recruiter on a daily basis is dealing with hiring managers, but they're so critical to our success, both as an in-house recruiter, an external recruiter. If you cannot build those relationships with a hiring manager and make it work for both of you, you're going to fail as a recruiter. I wanted to open up that discussion. And Shelly, I wanted to start with you because you've been doing recruitment, I think, for 62 years, I think you said. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Somewhere, Somewhere. around like, A long, oh, long time, well, right? Before Pigeon- we go there, Michelle, can you just recap what inspired us to talk yeah. about this? Yeah, sure. I use LinkedIn like a journal. Yeah. <laughs> And when I'm passionate about something, I just go right. And so in this case, I was facilitating a DEI session. I don't usually facilitate a DEI, I will say that, in our leadership group because I acknowledge that I am the 40-year-old white woman with a ton of privilege and power. But in this case, we were talking specifically around the recruitment process and what are some biases that might get in the way of us really looking for great candidates. And the individual had come back to me. She thought she was being funny and she was like, would you ever look at a resume that says hashtag ready to work? And she said it in a very bro-like way. Long story short, 
I immediately said, well, what did the rest of the resume say? And she says, no, I didn't even look at it. I was like, what? You saw ready to work at the top. And actually one of the other participants in the group quickly Googled it. And it's an Indeed best practice. Indeed teaches candidates to put on hashtag ready to work. It's a new thing, but it is a way to separate themselves that they can start tomorrow, basically, is what it's supposed to say. With all the layoffs that are happening right now, specifically in the US, you need to stand out. All I could think about was like, holy shit, didn't even read the resume. The person is discarded just like that. And then the defensiveness factor came in. You can't tell me how to read a resume. I know what I'm looking for. And I just was like, oh my gosh, this is what's wrong with recruiting today. (laughs) I hate resumes. We write resumes for other people as well. We do a really good job. We can pretty much guarantee when we write a resume, we can get a candidate an interview. But the bigger issue that I have is that it's just so wrought with bias. Hiring managers are a detriment to themselves right now. Mm Mm-hmm. I live it. I absolutely agree with you. I know in my experience, it gets even more horrifying if you are a fly on the wall. My daughter's working in retail and she was having her little snack break and the manager is reading through resumes. She pulls one up and says, do you see this person? Like I would never hire. So this is her first job. Yeah. And this hiring manager is making fun of this person's resume to an employee. That's what's really happening behind the scenes. It was almost like a point of entertainment. And if I may, here's where it's going to be even more horrifying, Michelle. One-way video interviews. I know as sure as I am sitting here that hiring managers are calling people over and like, you got to check this out. Watch this video of this job seeker. Look at their background, criticizing. We've gone from poking fun at paper resumes, just as a slight bias. But now we've got videos to watch. And we can be even more racist and biased and just absolute pure idiots and using this as a form of entertainment. And I know it happens. I know it does. I had a hiring manager, I don't know, it was a couple of months ago. They were looking for a new sales director. Uh, Individuals had left their addresses on the resume. So they Google their house to see how big their house is, because that actually tells me if they've been good at sales. Oh, I know that happens. I absolutely do. Yeah. Well, I've seen some bias, especially with women, where hiring managers would look them up on LinkedIn to see their picture and see how attractive they were to decide if they were going to bring them in for an interview. We know that happens, but what would you say is your biggest pet peeve? So obviously you called out the ready to work. (laughs) Very good point. Because as a recruiter, I've been in the situation that I need to hire someone to start next week. And I'm like, I do not want to be wasting my time with people that won't be able to start for a month. If you have ready to work, man, I'm going to start recruiting there because I know you can start right away and meet the business needs. But is there a big pet peeve that when you're dealing with a hiring manager, obviously outside of bias that you're like, ah, motherfucker. (laughs) Number one, biggest pet peeve is when they're looking at how fast they jump. Ah, okay. Because quite frankly, I can either stay and make my meager two to two and a half percent each year, 
or I can leave and actually make more for my family. That's my biggest pet peeve. Or if there's a hole and they don't understand what that hole is, they just won't even talk to them. We are not in a world where people stay 10 to 15 years anywhere. No, I think the average 2.8 is the average. Yeah. But before talking to them, I get flakiness and investment and all these other things. But here's another hard truth. And I can't take credit for this. I was at a conference on Tuesday where Steve Cadigan was. He's the first CHRO for LinkedIn. And he was the keynote speaker here in Calgary. He said, we are not talent specialists. Like we're not looking for talent in the talent acquisition world. We're looking for experience. We're experienced specialists. We are looking for how many years have they done it so that we can say for sure that they're doing it. But if we were truly talent acquisitions specialists, we'd be looking for that je ne sais quoi, that thing that makes them special that they might be able to get to. When we're looking for director level people, I find, have they done the job already? Well, what kind of bullshit is that? A director doesn't want a director role. They want to go up. Exactly. And it's just, it's mind boggling, the attribution bias. If it's not like mine, they're never going to get it. Bias isn't wrong, but you just got to question it sometimes. What about you, Serge? I have a couple and mine are more focused on the actual process. Mm-hmm. As a recruiter, we have very tight timelines to be able to execute because we know how quickly talent is moving in this current landscape. And there is nothing more frustrating to me as dealing with a hiring manager that doesn't have the time to do a proper intake meeting so I cannot waste his yeah. time and waste my time looking for the wrong person. Obviously, becoming more experienced and having more, not power, but having more credibility. I'm like, all right, well, until we have this meeting, I'm not recruiting for this role. And it always shocks them, right? They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, no, I need to know the right answers. These are usually the same managers that you can't get an interview schedule. They don't give you any calendar time or they don't give you candidate feedback after the interview so you can actually follow up with them. And by the time you get to the point of hiring, guess what? All the candidates are gone and you're starting off from scratch. Do hiring managers think that... It just magically is all supposed to happen without any effort from them at all. They do. Yeah. They mm-hmm. think that recruiting is only posting a job and I go through resumes, right? And that happens. Don't get me wrong. That is probably recruitment in 50% of organizations, but there's a lot of time and effort in finding the right candidates and it's not as easy as they think, but they think that they have plenty of time. This can take a month, three months, because that person is going to be there. There's plenty of people. That is probably the most frustrating thing I deal with. Then I've been told by hiring managers being like, no one would an accent. And I regret what I've done early in my career where I didn't question that. I've right been about. complicit to things like that, 100%. Or I'll just know, I won't even bother putting a candidate forward because I know they haven't had to say it, but I just knew. Yeah, totally get being complicit and feeling awful for it. As a junior recruiter, we're putting them in very tough positions. They see this hiring manager as someone that's very important in the organization. So they're not going to question, even though they know it's wrong. And I'm hoping the generation that is now, they question a lot more, right? So it might be different. Shelly, what's your biggest pet peeve? My pet peeve? Yeah. (laughs) I know you you have If you really want this job, you will do X, Y, Z, and one, two, three. Oh, and while you're at it, I'd like you to send in a video of your best TikTok dance moves, like the list of demands and their point of view. Again, they don't know any better. This is the way I look at it. They just don't know any better. Somebody made them do it once. 
when they were looking for a job, it's that generational trauma. I'm going to continue to be an asshole when yeah. I'm hiring because I remember what I had to do to get this job. Yeah. It's really about this power dynamic Yeah, that if you really want this job, you will do the six hour coding assignment sure. and a yeah. project. So two things to that, I will say, I totally agree. Although I was on that trend, I did ask people for videos back in the day. So I have stopped and I learned my lesson again, when we talk about intention versus impact, that wasn't my intention to make someone feel really uncomfortable with it. I thought it was going to save me some time. It doesn't. It's horrendous. I agree. And I probably made some bad decisions based off of it too. But the alternative though, too, one of the things that we do, and we now even talk to our clients about if we are going to ask for a project, we pay the median of the range that we have posted to complete that project. Love it. So for example, right now we're hiring at Elevated and I've asked an individual to complete a project, but he will literally receive $55 an hour up to eight hours to do it. And I said, don't put in more eight hours. I want to see where you get to in eight hours. That's actually what I want to know. And I'm going to pay you the $55 to do it too. Love it. Really? Yep. We have a couple of tech firms where they like the coding assignments. I say you pay the middle of whatever that is for as long as it takes, pay them. I think we need another show, Michelle, because I'm like, do you think you're Microsoft? Why would somebody do this? Totally. I completely agree with Michelle in the concept. If you're going to pay for it, it's a difference. To your point on the tech companies, especially if you're going to hire junior tech people, you do need to test them because there is a big gap. Like we're talking about one dev can be the difference of having 10 devs if it's not the right one. So the alternative is we used to invite people to come in and work for three days and we would pay them full salary for the three days to come in and work. Because one of the things that I couldn't see was resilience and grit and asking good questions in an interview. I couldn't figure out a way to yeah. see it until I gave them a couple projects. And with the way we are working in the world right now, I needed to condense that. And so that's where I got to. But here's the difference. I have so many people that do this that don't pay for their time. True. That's the issue is if you're going to pay them and you're going to pay them fair value, I'm not paying them minimum wage to do this. I'm paying $55 an hour. That's a $110,000 salary. I think that's the big differentiator here that it makes a lot of sense. I'm going to leave it with one last thing as far as last word. Well, the last word. I always have the last word, (laughs) Shelly. It's the hiring manager pet interview questions that are fucking ridiculous. Like how many bowling balls can you fit in a Boeing 747 if it's flying at 30,000 feet and it's got two birds on the side of the wings that are causing an imbalance? Those types of questions, what's the right answer to this? And they can't even give you the type of answer what it is. No, but Google, I think, has come back and said, we realize those dumb questions that we were asking yeah. actually didn't predict future success. Exactly. Oh, so, really? Yeah. <laughs> on that <laughs> note, Michelle, thank you so much for joining mm-hmm. us. And we're excited to be on stage with you Thursday night. Do yeah. get your tickets. It's on disrupthr.co. Look for Calgary or go to Eventbrite Calgary. Do not hesitate if you're there to come introduce yourself to Michelle, myself, Shelly. We're very open. I want to meet as many people as possible. After I've insulted you during the hosting of this, <laughs> you might see the personality first and be like, ah, oh, you're going to need police escorts right. to get yeah, out of there. <laughs> so Michelle, thank you. Always. Thank you. Michelle. Thank you. Bye. On November 17th. You got Bye. it. 
The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.